0: The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. One God. Amen. Today is uh, one of the most special Sundays of Great Lent. It's called the the Sunday of the Blind Man. Um, uh, sometimes uh, it's the Sunday that many churches will be filled with little children to be baptized on this Sunday, because of this story, symbolically meaning. Um, uh, the symbolic meaning of it is about baptism. And as I've said before, and many of you know that the whole journey of Lent um, oftentimes is a journey of the catechumens or those who are looking to enter into the church. And the teachings of Lent are gearing them towards baptism, whether it was the older custom of on the feast on the, or the night before the feast or um, on the day of uh, this Sunday. The idea was it was for them preparation for their baptism and the Lent was for us a reminder to reflect and to meditate on the great gift of our baptism. The gift of our baptism was given to many of us in our infancy uh, and so we have to grow into it. We have to learn to accept it. We have to learn to um, activate it in our lives. There are many points to today's gospel that I want us to, um, to to reflect on. The first is, and this is important, maybe for the children, uh, that they wouldn't they didn't know this fact about this gospel is that Jesus Christ didn't just fix his eyes. Um, traditionally, it was believed that this man had no eyes. He had nothing here. It was just it was just a flap of skin. There was no eyes there. And so when he made the clay, he made the clay out of his saliva and he put it into his eyes or he he put it there. And after he washed, his eyeballs were created. So Jesus Christ created eyes. So when he said that he was blind and now he sees. He's saying, I had no eyes. This man didn't just fit. I had the eyes were not there. I now have eyes with which I can see. And the creation shows us that God, uh, that Jesus Christ is equal with God who created the world in the very beginning. And how did he create man? He created man out of dust, out of the dust of the ground. And so you have Jesus Christ again creating for this man eyes. But also there is a spiritual element. The spiritual element is when our spiritual eyes are created within us. And this is what Baptism is supposed to do for all of us to create our spiritual eyes, so that when we come and we read the Bible or we interact with God, and there's something that we're trying to understand, we say, we say, "I see, I see." And when you say, "Oh, I see," you don't mean I can see it with my eyes. You say I understand. And not only do we see and we understand, but we can say, "Oh, later on we can say, I know, I know," because seeing. And understanding and knowing are all together. Timmy, can you sit on the floor? Seeing and, tim- and, and, and and understanding and knowing are all together related. And so this is the first miracle. But very early on, I just want to point out, just because of the the atmosphere that we're in, this man is born blind. And the immediate, the knee-jerk reaction of society at that time was somebody sinned. And this was a punishment from God because somebody sinned and that's why this man uh, is blind. Not only did his disciples believe this, but the Jews later on said it again. He says, you were completely born in sins and you're teaching us. Why was he born in sins? They were born in sins because he was blind. And clearly because he was blind, somebody, either him or his parents, had done something wrong. This is not... Always the case it might be part of the case and there are times where we where we are Something bad happens to us Because we've sinned there are times where something bad happens to us to prevent us from sinning God in his mercy uh, uh, Allows something to happen to prevent us from sinning there are some times where something bad happens to us because we um, Uh, Because others have made a bad choice, not just us, but others have made a bad choice, and there's something sometimes that bad things happen to us simply for the glory of God to be revealed. And Job is a case of that as well, where the glory of God is revealed in him, and the glory of God is revealed here. And I'm left thinking and wondering, and I hope you will wonder with me about this. I wonder if possibly the situation, That we're in in this world is a time for us to reflect on the glory of God. Listen to my words carefully. It's not um, a time for us to think why is God doing this but it's a time for us to reflect and to see the hand and the glory of God. Where do we see it? You know there there are stories out there and there will be thousands of stories out there I'm confident. Whether it's in our neighborhoods people sharing People um, donating, people helping other those, others in need. Um, one of the best stories I heard so far was a Catholic priest who 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 was, had COVID and was on a respirator and uh, decided to be off the respirator to give it to somebody else who was younger um, to help that person survive. And that Catholic priest ended up ended up dying. Uh, and it's reminding me, also of um, uh, I think it was Pope Dionysius when there was a plague in Egypt. He had written about this and I think Father Athanasius uh, Iskander who sent this out very early on uh, when COVID was around and he, uh, Pope Dionysius said the the, the heathen, he says the, heathen, uh, the Pope was writing how the heathen were running away from those who were sick, abandoning their families because they did not want to catch the plague. However, the, the priests and the laymen were going and serving those who were in need and were dying. And, and Pope Dionysius said, and their death is as great as the death of martyrs. So there is beauty and there is the hand of God that we will see during this period of time if we are looking for it. And of course, though, it doesn't mean that God has sent this to us or that God is um, doing this uh, so that we can... Um, See His glory? No, it's it's how we can make, uh, see, make the best out of this difficult situation. To always reflect on God's presence, who is Emmanuel for us. So Jesus says, "As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world." Another translation, uh, the RSV, um, I believe, is that other translation says, "We must work the works of Him who sent." uh me while it is day the night is coming away when no one must no one can work um as long as i am in the world i am the light of the world i i have a feeling it's all plural but the idea is that it's saying about us that we just like christ we are the light of the world and i don't need this passage for that we also have uh the end of uh, the sixth hour gospel let your light so shine before men that, we may, that he, they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's heaven. Yeah, in the, in the RSV, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. We must work the works. And now is a time that it is still day and we must work these works. So this blind man is healed and he is given sight. And then my second point about this gospel is the boldness with which he takes on the gospel and the good news and speaks so strongly with the people that first were judging him, uh, with the Pharisees uh, that were putting him on trial, um, and in so many different... um, They came back at him at least two or three times, and then finally he's left alone. But let's pause about this boldness, Saint John Chrysostom in his commentary on this passage he says this blind man who excuse me who has been blind from birth who was a beggar so he's blind and you can imagine uneducated kicked around by people telling people you can't sit here go home leave this place or i was begging here first or you know, you have to go over that. Where whatever was happening to him, blind man, uh, he was abandoned by his parents at this point in time. His parents could have said, "Yes, you know, he's been healed, or whatever. Or this is a miracle." They abandoned him, and that's probably, you know, we can might, might imagine that's probably how they treated him all of, of, of his life. And uh, and it says, but Saint John says, this beggar who had not even seen Christ. He didn't know Christ because at the end of the story, you know, Jesus comes to him and says, "Do you believe in the in the Son of God?" And he said, "Who is he? You know, who who is he? Point him out. I want to believe in who he is." And Jesus says, "It is me. It is I who is speaking to you." Um, and that's when he worships him. But he didn't even see Christ straightway. Showed such boldness even before he was encouraged, and he says, "He." stopped their mouths. He chose rather to be cast out than to betray the truth. How much more ought we, he's, he's telling his congregation, and I'm using this as a reflection for us, how much more ought we who have lived so long in the faith, who have seen 10,000 marvels wrought by the faith, who have received greater benefits than this blind man, who have recovered uh, the sight of the eyes within, who has beheld? We have beheld the ineffable mysteries, and have been called to such honor. How ought we, I say, to exhibit our boldness of speech towards those who attempt to accuse, and who say anything against Christians, and to stop their mouths, and not to acquiesce with and with without an effort? He says we can't just give up. We can't just lie on our sides uh, and just let anybody say anything. And when we talk about the boldness, it's not just about saying Christianity is right or you have to believe in Jesus Christ. But now we live in a day and age where we have to stand up and say to believe in Jesus Christ is is rational. To believe in Christianity is truth. To believe in the gospel is joy and is power. To believe in the gospel is a new way of life. To believe in the gospel gives us the ability to live in this world unfazed, um, unaffected by that which is around us. This is the power of the gospel. If the gospel is not powerful, then we all have to look for a new gospel. If we can't read the gospel and feel the joy that's in there, then either we're reading it wrong And we have to work on better improving it. Or, if the gospel is powerless, then then we've been fooled. And we've been doing the wrong thing all of our lives. But That's not the case. That's not the case, especially since the gospel, when we read the Bible, and when we read the gospel, and I mean the gospel, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm talking about the gospel. The gospel, which is, you can define it as the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ the good news of salvation, where this is not the end, this world is not the end, doesn't matter if I'm poor, doesn't matter if I'm rich, doesn't matter what gender I am, doesn't matter anything about myself, I can be accepted as a child of God, and He has given me life in Him, as long as I accept that, and He has given me that church or the church as a place where I can accept it and I can grow in that life. This is all part of the gospel message. Now, it's not a logical gospel message. It's not something where I can read and say, yeah, logically this makes sense and and I can accept it. There are people that can do that and see the logic in it. But the logic is not the traditional logic. Remember, St. Paul says to the Corinthians that the cross of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. That this is, there's no way that they could understand. And the Gentiles were basically the rest of the world. Uh, And so this idea that we have to die in order to live, we have to, um, uh, you know, kind of renounce everything uh, that is of meaning in this life. You know, whether it's riches, whether it's fame, whether it's honor, whether it's prestige, whatever it is. If we want to have a life in the age to come, we have to give everything away in order to receive it later on. All of this, these paradoxes that you find in the gospel don't make sense logically. However, we see it in the lives of the saints. We see it as people have actually lived it, said, "Okay, I'm going to live this gospel 100% and let's see where it takes me. And you have Saint Anthony, you have Saint Macarius that we just read about, you have Saint Mary of Egypt, you have Saint Mary, uh, the Mother of God, uh, you have Saint Macrina, you have uh, Saint Demiana, you have all the saints that you possibly can imagine. Um, I don't know if you can see my wall. Saint John, with the the theologian, with his disciple Saint Prochorus, Saint Athanasius, Saint Cyril, the prophet Daniel, Saint John Chrysostom, Saint Paul. St. Zosima, St. Mary of Egypt, St. Mina, St. Carlos, the, uh, the 40 martyrs of Sebaste, St. Anthony, St. Paul, St. Gregory, St. Arsenius, St. Anthony. I'm showing you all of these saints because these were all icons of individuals who lived the Gospel. These are icons of the Gospel. And any icon you bring into your house is an icon of the Gospel. Even this one which we all will probably be relating to very much during this time and during this, this, this um, period in our lives, if not because of Holy Week, uh, because of COVID-19. This is ex- called extreme humility. Extreme humility, it's also been called uh, the bridegroom. The bridegroom. Uh, because Christ is teaching us that you must die in order to rise. And that suffering, even though it seems sad, and suffering seems like it's, uh, there, there's no hope coming out of it, yet we see hope springing from the tree of the cross. We see the fruit of the tree of life hung on the cross. And we know that this is where we come to for our life. The side of Christ, which poured out water and, uh, and, and blood, becomes the side where we, as his bride, just like Eve was taken from the side of Adam, we are taken from Jesus Christ's side. What does water and blood have to relate to that? Water of baptism and the blood of the Eucharist. And this is the sacraments of the Church. These icons are icons of the Gospel, which is powerful and has to be activated in our lives. And sometimes... Sometimes we have to admit that we become maybe um, distracted or we become down or we become sort of not feeling the joy of that gospel. So where do we have to return? We have to return to the gospel. We have to return to Christ. In our homes, we have to return to Christ a thousand times a day because of all the stuff that's going on in our lives, all the stress and the anxiety... does not mean that the gospel is powerless in our situation. Not for us and and not for the person who's suffering, whether it be in uh, alone in the hospital or whether it be um, in, in some other country. The gospel message has to be preached to those so that they have the power and the joy and the feeling of resurrection even as they're going through this difficult time. So... Now we find ourselves, what do we have to do? I'm depressed. I have my Bible on my desk. I have my Ekbeya close by. Whenever I get a hint of feeling this, I go straight towards that. Let me read what Christ said to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me memorize those words. Let me just hear them over and over and over again. Let me hear what Christ said Uh, to the Romans, you know, chapter 12 to the end. Let me go and read the sweet words of St. Paul to the Philippians when he was in jail, telling us, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And he is in jail. And jail is not, you know, I I would imagine that the first century, anywhere in the first century, was no luxury (laughs) compared to uh, what we live in now. And then to add to that jail, You know, he was in the worst situation, and yet he was able to meditate on something beyond where he was, something more powerful. This is the boldness that St. John Chrysostom is seeing in this man the boldness of the gospel. He's just touched by the gospel. He wasn't just excited because his eyes, he's got eyes now. He is by all means defending Jesus Christ to the best of his ability. And you can see he's thinking it through. He's going from when he was first asked, how are your eyes open? He said, this man, this man called Jesus. And then later on, you know, what do you say about him? Because he opened his eyes. You know, the guy's like, I believe he's a prophet. He's a prophet. He's a holy man of God, speaks the word of God. And he, he, he did a miracle for me. And then later on, he's able to worship him as the son of God and he worships Him as the Son of God, um, and he follows Him. And he says, Lord, I believe. And he says, and he worshiped Him. And this is the power of the Gospel to increase our spiritual life. This was supposed to be what we were supposed to be doing all during Lent. Nevertheless, we can start today increasing our love for the Gospel and our hope in the Gospel and our trust in the Gospel message. If you can't articulate the gospel message, then study it. Read, read, read. What is it? How can I understand this gospel message? It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of um, kind of, I must do X, Y, and Z, and therefore I'll have this joy. No, it's about understanding the spirit. And that, by the way, let me just pause. Understanding the spirit of the gospel is what's so beautiful when we read the stories of St. Macarius. And the stories of the saints, the Desert Fathers. Pick up the desert fathers and you see their gospel message in a beautiful, beautiful light where there was no judgment. And there was even when there was judgment, there were holy fathers who said, wait, 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 let's stop judging. There would be, you know, a crazy story. I, I love one of the one of the crazy stories of a master, uh the, the father who had a disciple, and they were living in the woods, and the master by, for some reason, put it in his head that he wanted to go to the city and to commit fornication. And the disciple, of course, was the one that always went to the city for the master, for the father. And the disciple uh, was asking the father, where are you going? He's like, nothing. I just got to go to the city to do something. And he's like, let me go. I'll go. I do everything. I always do that. You want water? You want me to sell your, your, what you've made? You want me to bring something? I'll do it for you. He's like, no, no, I'll do it. So the disciple was curious. Follows the master, follows him, sees him go into um, a brothel, and then sees him come out with his face in deep sadness. And, and he runs to him and he says, Father, I've committed a sin. He goes, the disciple goes to the father and says, Father, I, I committed a sin. I fell into the sin of fornication. So the disciple's lying, and he says, I fell into the sin of fornication. And the father says, I did too. Let us return and, and, and repent of our sins. So by his lying, he helped the father to confess his sin. And then they both go back and the disciple with the father do the same penance. Do the same penance. Um, and, and this was what brought the father back to um the 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 holiness that he had lost because of the sin the story is beautiful and in it you see the beauty of the gospel the beauty of the love of the father from the disciple and the love of and the forgiveness and the the willing to strive and repentance all of that you see just in this few paragraph one or two paragraph story um and this is what we find in the saints saint paul's letter to us encourages us. Remember how he said to you at the very beginning of the reading that the the message was to the baptized and he says, As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You know, these are lists that are important to us. These are lists that are important to us to put in our mind, to examine ourselves with these lists. Before this, he says, you know, put away anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I can't tell you how many times people will say, what's the big deal with cursing? You know, what's the big deal of me saying bad words? Here, here. you know, St. Paul is encouraging us as Christians, put filthy language away from your mouth. And then he says, let the... Uh, let the put on love which is the bond of peace he says let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord let the word of god dwell in you or word of christ dwell in you richly how can it dwell in us richly if we don't give it enough time in our day this is a time now where all of those activities that we were doing outside, now we can come back on our own and read more in the Scripture. Let it dwell in you richly. And let me tell you something. If you want to do a a social experiment, okay, it says here, let it dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If you were to take the Bible for a period of time, and just that is all that you read. I'm saying all. I mean, you don't read anything else except the Bible, except uh, the prayers of the, uh, the Igbeya, maybe, in addition to that. You will find yourself after a period of time that this is the only way that you can speak. These are the words that come to you when you want to speak to others. We have the opposite being true. We read the news, we listen to music, we watch whatever, we read whatever. And that becomes our language too often. But social experiment, just read the Bible. Let that be the only thing you read for a long period of time. And then you will be able to admonish and to teach with with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need this more than ever now. And I want to give you a another um, beautiful book to read, which is the book of the first epistle of St. John. St. John, this epistle, in, in a way, I, I believe is, is, is good for us today. Why? St. John was writing to his church community. His church community, a big, huge number of them left. They left the church community. They abandoned the church community because they thought they knew more. Than St. John and that they knew more than the community themselves You know the group of people and so they were called actually The Gnostics or it was an early Gnostic group because they said we know more than you and because we know um, We're going to leave if you know like us you can join us But since you don't have this knowledge, we're leaving you and we're going to do our own thing And St. John is writing to the remnant, the leftovers, the small group. And he says to them in the very beginning about... um, He's writing to them and he's encouraging them because he wants them to have fellowship with him. And he says it in such a beautiful way. He says, uh, that which we saw, that which we heard, that which we witnessed, um, that which we that which was from the beginning, meaning Jesus Christ, and the beginning of His ministry as well, that which was from the beginning, what we heard and seen with our eyes, we looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father. So it was a group of Christians who were feeling really sad because they had been abandoned by a majority, they were feeling sad because Saint John was not with them. So they were feeling sad, and this is kind of like the situation we're in. We're sad because we don't have our church community gathering where we can go and partake of the body and blood of Christ and to see one another again, to see one another, and that's something that, um, you know, is is really disappointing and disheartening. And and Saint John is saying, "Look, I want I want to give you words of hope." And words of confidence and these words are for us as well don't worry about the group that left I'm writing this to you because what I spoke to you if you continue doing it what I spoke to you if you continue doing it you have fellowship with me even though we're so far apart and our fellowship, St. John is saying, my, our fellowship is with God the Father. So when you have fellowship with us, you have fellowship with God the Father. And he says to them in that passage, in the passage that we read today, we read at least seven times, he said the words, we know, we know. Don't think about those who think that they know with their special knowledge. They do not know. Let me tell you what we know. And he says, I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence which we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Doesn't mean he does what he wants, what we want him to do, because oftentimes we want something, but God wants to show us something else but he hears us and we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask we know that we have obtained the requests we have made how so sometimes it goes with us sometimes even what we ask for when we uh, uh, clarify it or couch it in terms of God we really want this but let your will be done we obtain the requests that we have asked for, because even when he doesn't give us what we want, he gives us what we need, what is true, truly what we, what is good for us. And then he says, we know that anyone born of God does not sin, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. And here he means keeps on sinning, not just sins, because we all fall into sin, and you can read that in chapters 1 and 2, how he says we can confess our sins. We know that we are of God and the whole world is in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding to know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And so now our challenge during these days as we're building our church home is to be in Him. To be in Him who is true which is Jesus Christ. And how can we be in Him who is true in our homes? This is where we live the holy, righteous life. How do you think a church, a church building, becomes a holy place? Because the people there gather together and call on the name of the God at the set time, in a set place, in a set way. There's a routine, there's a schedule. Well, it doesn't matter if it's raining, pouring outside, whatever is happening outside. We still are going to come together on this day. Now we can't do this in the churches, but the houses have to mimic what they saw. You guys have been going to church for long enough. You saw what what was being done in the church, so now you have to do it in the house. Because this is the way that we are going to bring Christ into our presence in our homes. This is the way that we're going to feel his presence like we felt it in church through joy, uh, through peace, through love, through harmony, through unity, all of those things we have to work on. We can't leave our houses uh, a mess spiritually and expect to go to church and find the grace of God and everything's perfect and, 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 and we can say, okay, check that off of my list. I can go back to the disaster of the house that I've been leaving for so long. Now is a day of reckoning for us with our homes. Now is a day where we have to become the priests of our own home. Now is the day that we have to understand the priesthood of all, not just the priest. And the priesthood of all meaning everyone in his house. Singly, together as a group, we offer up our lives to God. We offer up our sacrifices. We offer our time. We offer our energy. We have to now go to the Word of God and see how can we do this. And we are trying as much as possible to advise and to guide. And what you're doing now is good. But, I hate to say it, you don't need me. You can do this by yourselves, right? I'm not, I'm, I am doing for you as you ought to do for one another. Until that time that we can gather again. And I'm not saying that the priesthood is, is, is unimportant or unnecessary. We need the priests and God keep the priests and God keep our bishops and our folk. But for now, during this period of time... Never in the history of the church have we ever equivocated or said anything other than the house has to be a church. Okay? So now, with this gospel, the house being the church, and us, we have to discover the boldness of the gospel like this blind man. Let us take this period of time, the rest of of Lent this week and, um, um, and Holy Week. And, and even Holy Week, even though we're meditating on the sufferings of Christ, we're also meditating on the Gospel as well, the good news. We're not uh, thinking about the crucifixion as if we don't know what's going to happen afterwards. We don't. We, don't we, we know what's going to happen, and we're not pretending like it's not going to happen. But at the same time, we're meditating on it moment by moment. Let's take this time. Let's put our energy and our effort and everything into this. It's the, it's the last part of life. If you haven't started fasting... Fast. If you've been fasting, fast a little bit more. Increase your prayers. Increase your scriptural reading. Increase your, time, your spiritual time together. Increase um, your, your memorization. I'm going to talk to the kids at 12 today in about an hour. Talk to them about memorizing and how we can memorize and give them some tips about memorizing. As well as, God willing, talk to them a little bit about St. Macarius. And then, um, and then uh, for you in your homes, do the same. Uh, Go over these readings, read these readings more and more, uh, and and meditate on them. Uh, God, we know that God is merciful, loving, and caring for us. He will bless us with the little that we do. Now, I mean, if we thought before in the church where the five loaves and the two fish offering to Christ, now it's really five loaves and two fish where we are offering Him. You know, we say, God, I I don't even know where, where to start. I don't know where to begin. Help me to begin Help me to receive the joy of the gospel. Help me to study your word. Help me to let the word of you, of Christ dwell in me richly. Help me and teach me to have this boldness and help me to pray for those who are suffering, those who are in need, those who are in need of, of your help, O Lord. Please do not abandon them in their time of need. Accept our weak prayers. Help us, O Lord, to build the church of our homes and to build it so that it continues, not just until... We come back to, our, to, to the church building, but it continues in our lives. Let us take advantage of this period of time. If the Lord uh, is merciful to us and we are able to return, let all this be um, what draws us closer so that when we return, we return with a stronger spirit. If the Lord it wills that we be taken during this period of time, uh, may God keep all of you and all of us here and have long life. But if we are called... May this period of time be a preparation for us to, uh, to repent uh, deeply and to seek after Him and focus on Him deeply so that when He comes and He sends His angels, we recognize them, we follow them, uh, and, we, and they lead us into the paradise of joy. May the prayers of the saints, the prayers um, and the blessings of this day be with all of you. May God uh, bless you and guide you and protect you and help you. And may God grant us the ability to see one another soon, face to face. And to God be the glory: the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever in heaven, to age of all ages. Amen. <speaking in Hebrew>